Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast presented by the Denver Post. This is sports writer Kyle Newman, joined as usual by my colleague Ryan O'Halloran. We're going to be breaking down the Broncos 2022 NFL Draft, talking about all nine of the players that they drafted, what was revealed about the Broncos' philosophy during this draft, breaking down our grades, player-by-player expectations for their rookie seasons, what positions were neglected by Peyton and Co. in the draft, and of course the big million-dollar question, is this team a lot better than one week ago? So we'll start off here, Ryan, with breaking down our grades, and of course you can access these, denverpost.com slash Broncos. Our columnists, Kisla, C+, Keeler, B+, I gave him a B+, Ryan, you gave him a B-, minus. And let's just start off with yours. And as I alluded to in the neglectful positions here, that's kind of what you touched on in your B minus grade. Yeah, and you know they went into the weekend. I uh, said, okay, they need two things. They need a, a guy who can start an inside linebacker right away. And they need a right tackle who can eventually start in twenty twenty three. They didn't do either of those. Uh, you know, George Payton said the board didn't fall their way. That's fine. Uh, you know. Maybe they tried to trade it for some guys. Maybe there was a run on some positions that didn't allow them to take uh, one of those players. But I think they went into the draft with like 21 out of their 22 starting spots locked in. The only one being inside linebacker next to Josie Drew, and that remains an issue. Is it Alex Singleton? Is it Jonas Griffith? I don't think it's going to be Justin Stranad. He sort of had his shot. My only thing on that is maybe they plan on playing so much nickel as their base package that they're only going to need one inside linebacker on the field. And that would be jewel uh, or in sub package stuff. If they play two in a nickel, they can move Baron Browning back inside. So that, that was the basis for my grade. But, you know, as we talked about off air radio term, uh, the grade is always going to be skewed. We don't have first round pick, right? but you still right. have to, you still have to weigh, the value they got from these these selections and that's why i gave them a b plus you know i don't i don't think it was an a draft just because of what you mentioned they didn't get the couple starters that they really needed to and maybe that's an indication of the scheme they're going to play on defense as you said maybe it's an indication of their belief in billy turner and that he can really be the stabilizer at right tackle that position that has been a revolving door for the broncos over the past five six seven years uh, but you look at everything they el- else they did. It was a depth draft. It wasn't a lot of pizzazz, but it was some special teams. It was uh, getting a guy who can be a quality pass rusher, Nick Bonito, uh, a guy who can be a number two tight end, p- potentially a number one tight end down the road, and Greg Dolchich. So, so there's some things to like about this draft here, and and I think uh, especially for the Broncos country, you know, it's you shouldn't be uh, too down that it wasn't a very flashy draft as you wrote Ryan because no first round pick so you got to make do with with what you have and oh what you have is Russell Wilson by the way playing quarterback so yeah like like kids said in his column if you count Russell Wilson as part of this draft class that is a dang a plus so it is you do have to take and we're gonna you know uh you're gonna be having this conversation next year when you talk about the Broncos draft uh when they don't have a first or a second but I think you know one last thing about uh, this draft is, you know, when I asked George Payton uh, like a week and a half ago, hey, how much of a priority is it to add to your 2023 uh, collection? And they only had four picks when they started the weekend for next year. They got that third from Indianapolis. He called it critical. I would agree because that just gives them some uh, some options uh, next year. 
Yeah, so now they got five picks going into next year. Still a little on the low end, but Peyton said, hey, I guarantee you we'll have some more picks by the time the draft rolls around. And he indicated day two, day three, he was trying to wheel and deal a little bit more than even he did with the two trades. And day three is just kind of things dried up, as he said. Uh, draft didn't fall his way in terms of getting some of those positions, and he wasn't able to get some more picks like he probably would have hoped. And, and one thing that struck me, especially the first two nights, is there weren't a lot of 2023 picks being traded, which to me is the teams already know that uh, next year's draft's going to be stronger in some very premier positions, chiefly quarterback. So uh, to, I, think the, I think he did well to get a third from Indianapolis. And this is the First in Orange podcast brought to you by the Denver Post, Kyle Newman, Ryan O'Halloran, breaking down the Broncos 2022 NFL draft class and looking ahead. Let's run it down here real quick. Second round pick, Nick Bonito, outside linebacker, Oklahoma. Third round, Greg Dolchich, tight end, UCLA. Fourth round, Damari Mathis, Pittsburgh cornerback. And Inioma Uazikre, defensive hey, lineman, Ohio let me, let, let, let me try it. Uh, Ioma. No, any. It's Ooh. any. It's any, Oma. Any. Uwa Z. Uwa Zarike. So, as I said in the media room, this kid's going to be known to me as Big Guy. Hey, Big Guy. How big, we doing? Big Guy or any. Okay, we'll yeah. just go with any. Defensive lineman. Fifth round, DeLarian Turner Yell. Safety, Oklahoma. Also, a couple more picks. Montreal, Washington, return specialist from Sanford. And Luke Wattenberg, center from Washington. Sixth round, Matt Henningsen, defensive end from Wisconsin. And to conclude the Broncos draft, Fayon Hicks, cornerback from Wisconsin in the seventh round. So before we go into these individual guys here, Ryan, what do you think this draft said about the Broncos philosophy here going forward and, and what we're seeing from George Payton now two drafts in? Yeah, a couple things. One, and we touched on earlier, they didn't think inside linebacker or right tackle was as big an issue as we did. Uh, two is, and I'm trying to put the math together with my chicken scratch for something later this week, but it this is an experienced group. I mean, two six-year seniors, a bunch of four-year guys, uh, what, you know, 40 games, 45 games, one, uh, 60 games. So uh, they weren't worried about the age. Um the ages of these players they wanted guys who can maybe you know help right away and then you know three offense on six on defense you know this just continues the theme this offseason Russell Wilson aside they thought their def they, they think their defense was overrated last year the numbers were totally fabricated because they played some bad teams early on but you look at Mathis you look at uh you know the big guy from Iowa State Turner Yell Henningsen Hicks. I think with the with Henningsen and the big guy from Iowa State, um, and George Payton said this, they stunk against the run last year. When t when they knew teams were going to run it at them, it didn't make a difference. They couldn't make a stop. So I think they got some bulk on the uh, defensive line. And, uh, and, then, and then I think a key thing, and I'll tee up on Mount Trail Washington here in a minute, is they didn't have a returner on the roster. They knew they had to get better there, so they took a kid from Sanford who probably wasn't going to be drafted if he wasn't a returner. Again, this is the First Orange Podcast. That's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman. So let's go through these picks, pick by pick, and just do a little projection here. Nick Benito, obviously he's going to be an impact player, I feel like, in year one. You know, yeah. can Bradley Chubb stay healthy? Is Randy Gregory going to be ready for week one? Those are some question marks lingering 
enter Nick Benito into that void. Then Greg Dolchitz yeah, projects Let's talk about two. Benito real quick. Uh, then we can we can move on. Is at two forty eight. I don't know how he's going to play the run. He may not be asked to play the run. Um, you know, uh, he had a lot of tackles, a lot of sacks at Oklahoma. Um, four four point five nine in the forty. I, uh, you know, he's he's going to make his name here by being a pass rusher. I'm not going to play a lot on base downs, um, and, you know. And it, and although the Broncos, the, you know, the, uh, sort of said, "Well, this is not true." You got to have some edge rushers because Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory have not played full seasons recently. Randy Gregory never has. So uh, you, you add to a perceived position of strength there uh, with with Benito. And then Greg Dolchitz projects as number two tight ends. Uh, you know, obviously. There's some excitement about what he can do as a catcher, as running down the field with that catch with that catch radius and uh, drawing some comps to Travis Kelsey. I think that's a little far fetched, but we'll see what he can do. But as a complimentary uh, force alongside Alberto, yeah. What sticks out about Greg is uh, 17.6 yards per catch. That's, that was uh, fourth in uh, fourth in the country last year amongst tight ends, and this was not yak. I mean, he was getting down the seam. And he had a wonder look at 36 out of 50. So he's going to be able to pick up this offense. Really smart guy. Um, you know, the mafia was sort of obsessed with his hair. Here's what I'm interested in. What kind of routes can he run to get open? I mean, what kind of, what kind of options is he, does he give Nate Hackett to, to maybe line him up wide against the linebacker, maybe him and Albert Owen in the field at the same time to create a mismatch. So uh, he's going to get, Dulcich is going to get a chance to play right away. He may not start, but uh, he's going to have a role. So with Dolchich and Alberto, two playmakers there, two big play threats. But is there any concern if they're both on the same on the field at the same time? It's a plus for Russell Wilson, but a, a minus for Javante Williams or Mel Gordon, with the run blocking being a little suspect for both of those tight ends. Well, I think with both tight ends, what you could do is let's say you play, tw- uh, let's say you're in a two receiver, two tight end, one running back. I would treat it almost like you're an eleven personnel. I would split one of those tight ends out. That takes a linebacker or a nickel out of the box. So maybe you have a more of a number situation. The other thing is, let's say they go one receiver, two tight end, and with Andrew Beck as the fullback. You know, then you can still pass out of that, and it gives you some chance to protect as well with keeping uh, Beck in. And Beck probably going to have a bigger role at fullback this season. We'll have more on that, denverpost.com slash Broncos in the coming weeks. Uh, moving on here, breaking down these picks. Samari Mathis, cornerback from Pittsburgh. Broncos have had struggles with cornerback depth the last couple of years. This adds to that depth. Yeah, I think Mathis ran a four three nine at combine. And when you get to this, when you get to the day three of the draft, if if somebody has a very a very specific trait that jumps out, be it you know uh, long arms or fast time or really good production, you say you'll get you can use that as the foundation. You know, Mathis played forty nine games at Pitt. Uh, he was only an outside corner. Uh, so he's in a competition right now with Ojemudie, with Bassey, because uh, I think the top corners are set with uh, Sertan, Darby, and Williams. So uh, if you keep five, six corners, uh, Mathis definitely has a shot. And then you know, one thing that sticks out, he had two interceptions and about 13 pass breakups in 2019. So, uh, you know, so he's, he's around the football. And then any – Fourth-round pick, Iowa State defensive lineman, 6'6", 316, so no shortage of size here. 
how is he going to fit in into the Broncos scheme? And is this uh, putting, you know, Mike Purcell maybe on notice a little bit? Well, some people think he's a nose tack in a 3-4. That's not what the scouts say. Uh, they look at him as a 5-tech, which is sort of over that tackle. You know, just because you're 313 doesn't mean you can't play in in a 3-4. Uh, you know, Shelby Harris was around around 300. So, uh, you know, this kid is six foot six, foot six uh, a lot of production, 34 and a half tackles for lost yardage. You know, this was, uh, this is not good news for McTelvin and Gene, who was a third round pick two years ago, has done nothing in his two seasons. So, uh, and, and also Mike Purcell, because by drafting this guy, you can say DJ Jones can you play the nose in a base defense, which he can. So right. Purcell wasn't even at the minicamp last week. Or he's, you know, he was nursing something, but uh, you know, he could be facing a battle. Then Turner Yell, safety out of Oklahoma, second Oklahoma player Peyton took, and he'll be adding to that death back there behind Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. Yeah, and uh, yeah, five ten, one ninety seven, and playing uh, you know, special team, teams too, of course. Yeah, teammate of Benito, uh, you know, ran a four four seven. Uh, let me look up his bio here. Didn't know a lot about him. Um, he played forty games, sort of a three year starter, second team All Big Ten. And what I like is, he, you know, he was he he broke up some passes, but you're right. I mean, he is going to be special teams, and there's going to be a competition there. Uh, because you figure the top three safeties are set with Simmons, uh, Jackson, and Stearns. Jamar Johnson's going to have a tough time making this team. He had a draft pick last year. I mean, uh, he's they signed. I mean, it's not looking yeah. good for him. Yeah, because they signed. They got P.J. Locke, who I think is a core special teamer, and they got they signed uh, J.R. Reed from the Giants. He can compete on special teams. So, uh, you know, if they keep five corners and five safeties, that seems maybe a little, you know, the, the numbers may work out there, but. Uh, he's going to have to run down the field during the preseason games and hit somebody. Man, looking ahead here and looking down the list here to the final four picks, Montreal, Washington, as we mentioned, he projects to be the team's return specialist. They've only gotten one touchdown on Deontay Spencer, who is still a free agent. They moved on from him over the last three seasons. They got one touchdown on him. So they need some more spark there. They're hoping Montreal, Washington, the FCS star can give it to him. He, Led the FCS in all-purpose yards last season. Also had a huge game against Florida this past November that really caught Broncos and other scouts' eyes. And as you mentioned, Ryan, probably wouldn't have been drafted if not for that return specialist capability. Now, he's only 5'10", 170, so might want to bulk up a little bit so he doesn't get broken out there. Yeah, and uh, he was on a conference call on Saturday. You wrote about him for Sunday. Would you, would you make some of his comments? Well... You know, first of all, coming out of high school, is grades that held him back and grades that basically had him end up at Sanford and not an FBS school. But, you know, he said, hey, I think the Florida game did a lot to basically put me on the radar. And then George Payton echoed that after the draft and the post-draft press conference saying, hey, just watch this tape against Florida. When he had a 98-yard run back for a touchdown, uh, he completed the pass. He had a rushing touchdown. He had a receiving touchdown, well, 10 catches over 100 yards. So he can do it all. He's very versatile. And the Broncos special teams desperately, desperately needs that. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year, last in kick return average, I believe 18th or 19th in punt return average. So Deontay Spencer not getting it done. They move on from him. 
draft Montreal Washington in the fifth round. We'll see if he can be an impact player or a fifth-round steal. Then they also traded up in the fifth round to draft center Luke Wattenberg, who has played center, he's played guard, but it sounds like Broncos maybe project him more as a backup center behind Cushenberry right now. I couldn't get a damn straight answer out of that. <laughs> what <laughs> position is he going to learn first? He cannot play both at the same time in rookie minicamp in two weeks. I'm pretty sure of that. He doesn't have four arms and four feet. <laughs> okay, that was my rant on Luke. So we're not uh-huh. sure. So he, so he might play center. You might play left guard. You might play right yeah. guard. He's not um, going to play you know, tackle. He started, <laughs> started 18 and 19 at left guard. Started 20 and 21 at center. You know, Washington season in 2020 was shortened to four games. And I asked him, hey, was that the reason why he came back for his sixth year? He says 100%. He wanted to get more snaps at center. Okay, let, let's project a little bit. Is Dalton Reisner left guard, free agent after the season. Natane Mute entering his third year. He wouldn't stay healthy to play a full season. He's a backup guy. Graham Glasgow is probably his last year here after redoing his contract. Yeah. So I think this is a this is more of a look ahead pick. Get him into the system. Get him into the program. Start training him at dual dual spots. And everybody wants to run Lloyd Cushenberry out of town amongst the mafia. Hold on a little bit. This scheme of Nate Hackett stresses being able to move. Stresses athleticism. Stresses you don't have to be a real heavy guy. Lloyd checks those boxes. I would not count Lloyd out from starting at center in week one, despite what people who think they're smarter than me say. So, um, you know, if Wattenberg ends up playing at left guard in 2023, then this was worth worth trading up for. Yeah, and you look at the snap counts for Christian Berry the last couple years. He missed one game last season. Uh, But – He's played 100% of the snap counts in 32 of 33 games. I mean, uh, if the Broncos have wavering confidence in them, they sure haven't shown it yet, and, and I'm in agreement with you, I think. Looking ahead at Wattenberg, can he play one of the guard positions maybe next year, provide depth this year, and Cushenberry is still the center. So moving ahead to the final two picks, which uh, defensive line and defensive coaches were very pumped about this pick, Matt Henningsen in the sixth round out of Wisconsin, 6'3", 289, versatile defensive lineman. And... Yeah, he didn't play at all. He played two games in 2020 because he said he tore his bicep. Came back for a fifth year, had his best season, 33 tackles, you know, five and a half for a lost yardage, just third team, uh, all Big Ten. You know, Marcus Dixon showed on the video, you know, bear-hugging George Payton, lifting him off his feet. So he was excited about this guy. I mean, this is, first of all, the kid's a genius. He's already got his master's in uh, engineering. Yeah, I was rubbing two sticks together to get through college. This guy is like building bridges or something. But um, you know, he's going to get a chance to be a rotational lineman again. This is not. This is another bad move for the prospects of old McTelvin and Gene. Uh, you know, if he makes a team, it won't be here, I guess. And then Hicks, the final pick cornerback and he'll be provide depth there but then also special teams guy probably gunner type role and the like and he played a lot of special teams at wisconsin and might be asked to contribute there in 2022 for the broncos yeah i look at the i look at i look at this kid as a, as a practice squatter uh because they really have added you know they really are there's not a lot of spots left um right at corner at his pro day he ran uh four four six uh so it's uh, you know you you're gonna go through corners during the season when guys get nicked up and you can you know place guys on IR for three weeks. So chances are you know if you're a draft pick and you make and you get on the practice squad, uh, you're gonna be active at some point during the season. 
And this is the first Orange Podcast. That's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman. We'll close the show here with asking the million-dollar question, is this team better than they were at this time last week? Ryan, what do you think? Well, uh, that's a, way, a good way to phrase it, compared to this time last week. Uh, I think it's a push. Uh, you know, did they, did, they, did they add a player over the weekend that's going to help them beat the Chiefs? Probably not. But it provides them some depth, and you know this team. You know, if, te- if go through injuries, you know, overall they're obviously better. Russell Wilson makes them better. Randy Gregory as a starter, if healthy, is better than Malik Reed. Lindsey um, Jewell coming back from injury is better than Justin Stranad. Um, so Billy Turner at right tackle is maybe better than Bobby Massey. So. Devontae Williams is the number one running back is a lot better than Melvin Gordon is the number one running back. So, uh, you know, I still put them behind the Chiefs in the division, neck and neck with the Chargers for second place and ahead of the Raiders. I think they're a slightly better team than they were last week. I mean, we mentioned the the positions that they didn't address. We thought they should have right tackle notably. I'm just not sold on, on Billy Turner there. And then if Turner gets hurt, you're going to Calvin Anderson again. I mean, it's just, you know, you got to solve that riddle eventually and, I was looking for them to do that in round two or three. They went with Bonito and Dolchich instead. I think Bonito can be a, a, a force and maybe even a steal when looking back on it at number 64 overall. Dolchich, same thing, uh, number 80 overall. Kind of surprised that, I guess not surprised because Trey McBride went up earlier in the second round, but they got the number two tight end on the board in Dolchich. We'll see if he can have a better NFL career than Trey McBride. So I think overall they're better. They got Melvin Gordon back in the fold on a one-year deal. But as you mentioned, Javante Williams will be the featured back this year. And they got Russell Wilson. So, hey, you got to feel pretty good as rookie minicamp approaches here in the next couple weeks about the Broncos and the direction that they're headed. They're still behind the Chiefs. I think they're still maybe even neck and neck with the Chargers and even the Raiders, in my opinion. I mean, it's going to be a very tough year in the AFC West, as we said. So, the depth is going to help them from this draft for sure when guys get nicked up, when guys get banged up, because they're going to need that depth against the AFC West. And hey, Montreal Washington, one final note. If he can be the returner that we saw on tape against Florida that the Broncos think he can be, then that's a huge upgrade at that position. Yeah, we'll plug one thing in the paper for Tuesday. Two things, actually. You're going to write about Damari Mathis. And then Mark Kisler just sent me a page two debate. How many victories will it take for the Broncos to win the division? So uh, a couple of uh, NFL stories for people to read online and in the pages of Denver Post on Tuesday. Check that out, denverpost.com slash Broncos. Appreciate you listening in to today's show. Come back next week for more analysis on the First and Orange podcast. This has been Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran. Until next time, folks, take it easy.